0: You are listening to the Devoted Women's Podcast. This teaching is meant to be listened to after having completed the lesson in your workbook. We hope this teaching equips, encourages, and empowers you. Grace and peace. Hey everybody, so this is a re-recording of what we talked about last night. I, um, Tania was absent and because she was not there to help me press record, I did something wrong. And so here's a here is a redo for you. We We started off last night with a recap of week three since it had been a little bit since we had been together a couple of weeks. So let me just run down that real fast. So we saw in Lesson 3 that Jesus had promised the Spirit of God would come, and He did in a mighty and indescribable way. The Spirit came on the day of Pentecost. We learned that all of the feasts in the book of Leviticus were set to remind the Israelites and all of God's children to remember their deliverance and their freedom. Jesus's work on the cross and resurrection should move his people into joy and into celebration for all of our days. We should be celebrating that salvation that we've been given. We saw that men and women were both present on the day of Pentecost, and we saw the prophecies of Joel come alive. Those present in the upper room that glorious day witnessed and were part of a pouring out of God's spirit on us all flesh, all present prophesied, or as we talked about in our lesson, spoke of the wonderful works of God. We saw Peter, boldly empowered by the Spirit of God, stand up and declare Jesus the Christ and Messiah, speaking just as Jesus once did. He did not sugarcoat. He did not hold back the details of the murder of Jesus at the hands of the crowd of whom he was speaking to. And he he really drove home the consequence of sin. We saw that those present through the regenerating power of the Spirit, they heard the gospel and they responded and 3,000 believed that day. And when we ended our text. On week three um, we were left with this picture of a blossoming community of believers I'm going to reread us uh, chapter 2 verse 46 so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart there we're getting just a little bit of that feast language again praising God and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So that's where we left off the last time we were together. And today we are going to start at Acts 3 verses 1 through 10 is where we're going to dive in. So we see Peter and John head to the temple for the three o'clock prayer service. And on their way in, they encounter what the new King James version calls a certain man. Um, this man was lame from birth. Each day he was laid at the temple gate and would have been known by those who came to worship regularly. In verse four, uh, or in, ver- in chapter four, just one page over, 20, um, verse 22, we see that we get a little bit more insight into who this man was. At least we get to know his age. It tells us that he was 40 years old, so it kind of gives us this idea that this man has been at the mercy of others for a very long time. We get a good picture in the Gospel of Luke and the other gospel books of how those who were poor and weak were treated. But the main thing that I really want us to consider tonight is that these men and um, the people that were set outside the, the temple, they were not allowed to go into the temple to worship. Those who couldn't care for themselves relied on others for their daily provision. There was no assistance from the government or charity programs like we have today. Not only were they physically weak and poor, Even more so, they were spiritually weak and poor. In the book of John, we see a similar story at the Sheep Gate and um, the Pool of Bethesda. This story gives us a little more detail of what these people, um, what their lives look like. So there were several porches in the temple outside of the temple and a, um in john we see it says a great multitude of sick blind lame paralyzed people so where tonight we're looking at one man this is giving us an idea of to what it actually looked like a multitude there's not even a number given here there's just people who have been brought and laid outside of the gate and really just take a minute to imagine that we're not talking about a hospital here or a retirement home and you guys i I know if you know if you've been into a ICU unit or a a retirement home a um, even hospice um, those types of situations where it's just people who are sick and they're not going to get well just the sadness there and then imagine it in this setting just outside Um, we we don't see that today and I really want us to just stop for a minute and get a good picture of several people laying there day after day um, at the mercy of those coming in and out of the temple and so, right now in John, we're going to hone in on another certain man. I'm going to read to you John 5 5 through 8. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been in that condition a long time, he said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I am coming, another one steps down before me. Jesus said to him, rise, take your bed and walk. And here's what I want us to see here. Um, Both men were carried to the temple, one before the gate called Beautiful, and one by the Sheep Gate. Both men were waiting at the mercy of others and probably had longed to be healed for a long time. Lame from birth, so for 138 years and 140 years. This man and John relied just as much as the man in our story today to be provided for. Both had no other choice but to lay, hoping to find mercy both experience Jesus' healing power, proving that we don't receive healing from a place or from other people, but from one person. What we can see by comparing both of these stories, that um, these stories are so close in details. And what we really can see is that the power that healed the certain man from John is the same healing power that heals our certain guy from tonight. We see similar stories throughout the Bible Um, of very close stories with very few differences. Um, The one that came to mind for me when I was putting this together was Elijah and Elisha and the widows. Both of those stories are so closely related and we ask why are they included? Why do we see these repeat or parallel stories that are so close in detail and um, the point is credibility. What we're seeing tonight is the power. It's never about the one God is using to do the miracles. It's never about the men in the story, but it's about showing that God is the God of miracles. So the repeat is just showing us the power of God and the credibility that this is God doing these acts. It has nothing to do with the men, but um, it's proving that God is with these men. So for all of us, Jesus and his timing, just like these certain men in our story, Jesus will encounter each of us. He will provide and he will heal because that is who he is. He is a provider and he is healer. In verse four, we see um, Peter says, it says, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. And we should know that Peter isn't drawing attention to himself here. But he wants this man to see the compassion, mercy, and love of Jesus. Peter knows what he is about to give this man is better than any money. And even better than the physical healing he is about to receive. He is going to give him the power of the blood of Jesus look at it in the last half of this verse. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You guys, this is an introduction to Jesus and it's just so very sweet. Peter says, look at us. He wants to make sure this man is paying attention because he is about to give him the best gift and he takes him by his right hand and he lifts him up, just as Peter had witnessed in the book of Mark as Jesus lifted up his mother-in-law. Immediately, her fever was healed, just like the man at the pool in every miracle we read of in the gospel. This is Peter carrying on the healing work of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the immediate and permanent healing. Just picture these miracles. We aren't accustomed to seeing these things today, so we tend to read over these stories with a story like mentality. But really stop and think about it. This is not fiction, this is real life. And in the story, Peter gave this lame man the same gift Jesus had given him faith, the ability to know Jesus, to be healed, and the right to stand in the temple to worship his God. And then in verse 10, all the people saw and they were amazed. Our book asks us, where has Jesus healed you? Physical, emotional, relational. We talked about it in our small group last night, but just take another minute and think about it again. Are we walking, leaping and praising God? Are we excited? Are people in wonder and amazement of our transformed lives? Are we sharing that story with others? I know that I can do a better job of this. I know that I have been healed spiritually, emotionally, relationally, and physically in my life. All because of the love, mercy, compassion of Jesus. And I know that I can do better. And I know that we all can do better in telling others of this healing and letting others have hope because of our testimony and our story. God, God uses us just as he's using Peter to bring hope to others, to introduce others to Jesus. And how much are we doing that? I pray um, for myself and for all of you who are listening that we just take that and um, we give that wonderful, beautiful gift to other people. So now we're going to go ahead and move into the text, um, chapter 3, 11 through 26. So we saw Peter bring the boldness last week, and he's about to bring it again. So all the people are greatly amazed. Let's just picture that a little bit. Their faces, um, their mouths are probably wide open, their eyes wide with amazement. And in verse 12, Peter responds to them, why do you marvel at this? First, we see him question, why are they so surprised? Then he asks, why they're looking at him and John? Shouldn't they know? Just like the healing of the lame man reminded us, or me, when I was putting this together of the story in John, is Peter expecting the same, this healing, Should they be thinking of the last time they saw such things going on? Should they be remembering Jesus and what he had done day and day um, while he was on the earth? Is Peter saying, remember Jesus? Verse 13, let's look into that. Listen to what he says. The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus. Remember you delivered him up and remember when Pilate wanted to let him go and you denied that he was holy and just and remember when you asked for a murderer to be given freedom, Barabbas, the one who took life and you killed the Prince of Life, the one who was here to save. Y'all remember and now you're all amazed again and isn't that us? Isn't that humans? Aren't we so quick to forget? Remember the feasts while they were, why they were put into place in the first place? Because we are so quick to forget. And then we really get to see this most beautiful picture of Jesus and all the mercy and grace and love. Y'all, this is the work of the Holy Spirit. He calls out. He convicts us of our junk. And then look at verse 19 with me. Repent, therefore, be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. It's that simple. Admit that you need Jesus and be forgiven. And that last part of 19, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, so that you will receive a miracle of healing too. It's just so beautiful, y'all. And as If the eyewitness account wasn't enough, Peter leaves nothing to chance. He again uses the word of God, the text from Deuteronomy 18, and the words spoken through the prophets from Samuel and those who follow, for all the prophets spoke of these days. Jesus even taught this about himself in Luke 24, 27. He taught the very real warning of one, recognize and believe what these verses and what these prophets say are true about him. And two, if you don't be utterly destroyed, holding nothing back there. And then in verse 26, it says to you first, God, having raised up his servant, Jesus sent him to bless you and turning away every one of you from your inequities. So much hope is here for those in the crowd and for us in this verse, Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit in his firm, he is firm in his correction. And he's also firm in his offering of the solution. Jesus takes away all our sin and gives a new birth so now we're going to see what what goes on after this is this beautiful picture of redemption is proclaimed by Peter Um, as we go into chapter 4 verses 1 through 12 So we've seen 3,000 added last week, and we just saw Peter give another Jesus-centered, dry bone awakening sermon, and what happens? Chapter chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So the Sadducees are present here, and they really don't like this. A little fun fact about the Sadducees, um, they didn't believe in the resurrection at all. In Matthew 2, 23, you can go and look that up. But they didn't believe that the resurrection was in the Old Testament anywhere. So why most of the men there, the Pharisees and the other leaders we've, we've seen over and over, they're in fear of, live, of losing their power and influence. So they really want to stop the gospel news from, from going out just as they stop Jesus. They want to stop these men, um, Peter and John, from speaking anything about Jesus and the resurrection because they don't want to lose their power and influence. But the Sadducees just didn't believe in it at all. So um, they really don't want it. To be said. So um, they didn't like the gospel when Jesus preached it, and they don't like the gospel when Peter and John preach it either. So Jesus warned the disciples of this very thing when he was with them in John 15, 18 through 27. And now we're seeing it really come to pass. Listen to what John 15, 18 through 27 says If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love you. The world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. He who hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works which no, no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. And this is just the beginning of this, guys. Um, we're going to see it continue to go on. And now we're getting a better picture of what Teneer covered in week one. This is why Jesus tells them to wait. To wait to go and tell people of the beautiful, life-saving, transforming, healing, um, good news of the gospel. Because he knew what they were up against. Look at verse 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, this miracle that has just been done, he is the one who has healed this man. The Jesus in which you rejected this is his work see the work that Jesus has called these men to do is exactly what he came to do on this earth Jesus was baptized in John um, baptized by John in the book of Luke chapter 3: 21 through 22 and received the Holy Spirit's power if we turn just a chapter over to Luke 4 Jesus reads from the book of Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the work of Jesus that Peter and John are carrying on. The Jews were looking for the Messiah to free them from their captors and give them liberty from their... Oppression, But what they couldn't see is they were the ones holding others captive and oppressing them from the freedom found in Christ. Jesus was proclaiming his Messiahship by reading the passage from Isaiah. And how was he received at Nazareth? If we remember, and we can look at verse 428, it tells us that those in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They threw him out of the city and almost off of a cliff. The rejection of Jesus is repeated again and again throughout the Gospels. These repeated attempts to stop Jesus' message only fulfilled and made possible the spread of the Christian message. Even with the arrest of John and Peter, 2,000 more were added before. And even in the captivity, through the power of the Holy Spirit, the truth about Jesus is being proclaimed with a new boldness. Jesus knew that they had to have the power of the Spirit to face these men. Now let's move into 4.13-31. through 31. Guys, this is my, one of my favorite verses of all time. Now, when they saw the boldness, when the leader saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Just like in Genesis, not only did God give Joseph the ability to interpret dreams. If you studied with us the book of Genesis, if you'll remember just this powerful story of um, Joseph and He's in the prison and he's called up to interpret dreams. But what we really, what I really want us to see here with Joseph is the wisdom to make a plan that would keep a country, an entire country alive during a seven year famine. Those who knew Joseph and were under him must have known that he had been with God. The work of God in our lives should leave people marveling at our lack of education and formal training. Our boldness in our ordinary lives on a worldly standard. It should scream the presence of Jesus and the empowerment of the Spirit in our hearts. It should reflect in our homes, at our jobs, in sickness and in death, the godly wisdom that outshines All degrees, all schools, even Bible schools, all the years of experience. May people see us and know that we have been and live with Jesus, even if they don't like it. These men couldn't deny the credibility of Peter and John's work through Jesus, but they would not accept it either. This miracle, this man who had been healed is standing right in front of them and they can't deny that the healing has happened, but they will not accept it. It's so sad to see people have an encounter with God, to see his miraculous work with your own eyes and still love the world so much that you refuse freedom and not only refuse it, but forbid it for others. That's exactly what's happening here. So we see tonight, Peter and John, tonight it's the morning. (laughs) Peter and John went to pray. When they arrived, they met a man and healed him in the name of Jesus. Peter preached another spirit-filled sermon, and because he did, he was arrested. Him and John stood before the same council that put Jesus to death on a criminal's cross, knowing he was innocent. Um... This council threatened them to stop telling people about Jesus. Peter speaks with great conviction and again just pours out the truth. I love seeing that Peter is never again going to deny the truth, the big T truth that was living inside of him. And then we get to see again this community because when John and Peter arrive back home, What do they do? They run to Jesus and their fellow believers. Like last week when we got a glimpse of this community, now we're getting another layer of what it looks like, but this time in times of trial. Um, Peter and John are released, and they tell their companions what was said to them. And in verse 24, we see this community's response. It says they raise their voice to God in one accord. They raise their voices. They audibly are praying together in one accord. They worshiped and they recognized God as sovereign and worthy to carry out all plans. And they asked for boldness. And I really just want to talk about this word just a little bit as we're wrapping up. We've been using it a lot in the last couple of weeks and... I want us just to really grasp what that means. And I think the best way to st- describe it is they ask for boldness or the ability. Um, so what does boldness look like? Courage, strength, faith, trust. Um, how about to fear God and not man? And the answer is yes. And the beauty of it, you guys, is when we pray for spiritual things, for spiritual gifts and power to do what God has called us to do, Um, God just loves to pour these types of things out over his children. And that's exactly what we see. We see God respond in the last verse for tonight. Tonight, I keep saying that now, this morning, in the re-recording. Verse 31. Let's read it together. And when... And don't miss that. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. I hope this message encouraged you, and um, I'm so excited to see what is going to come next week and every Monday after. we love you guys. If you didn't make it, know that we missed your faces and um, we just can't wait to see you and be together as a community, just like here that we're, we're seeing in Axe. We love you guys. Um, stay safe. See you later.